Welcome to Whitefields Church Podcast. Our focus is to help you grow relationally, emotionally, and spiritually. I hope you enjoy the message. All right, we're going to exercise ourselves this morning in our imaginations. God gave you an imagination. And it's a creative imagination. Uh, I love to read books because in books, your imagination is engaged in what what the writer is writing. And then when I see it later in a movie, I'm like, that's not what I imagined at all. He didn't look like that. They didn't act like that. I saw it all together different because our imaginations are uh, at work. And Holy Spirit, working with our imagination, takes this word, quickens it, makes it alive. And you can see things in your imagination as the word of God comes alive to you as you read it that just is, is just wondrous. And... Uh, So we're going to use our imaginations this morning. The title of my message this morning is called Anchor Yourself. So we're going to start out by picturing. I want everybody to picture in your imagination yourself as a boat. Take a moment, close your eyes, open your eyes, whatever works for you in using your imagination to picture yourself as a boat. I just want you to just say, I'm a boat. You don't have to repeat after me. <laughs> I'm a boat. I'm a ship. I'm a, I'm a whatever, whatever comes to your mind, and then we're going to work with that. So I'm just going to give you a moment. Picture a boat. It's you. You're that vessel. You got it? Okay. Maybe you're a, a man of war, Spanish galleon. Maybe you're a, a speedboat. Maybe you pictured yourself as a, as a river boat, a jet boat. That's, that's what Sid saw. Maybe, uh, actually, I think this is what Sid saw. He saw himself as a 1955 vintage Chris Craft mahogany, 21-foot Capri, worth $80,000. Maybe you saw yourself as a sailboat. You know, whatever you picture, maybe you saw, saw yourself as a little dinghy. Whatever you saw yourself as. In the scripture, we get a picture of a boat here and people... It says in Psalm 107, 23 through 31, I'm going to read it. Um, it says, some went down to the sea in ships, in great waters, plying the trade routes of the world. They too observed the Lord's power in action, his impressive works on the deepest seas. Now stop for a minute. You're a boat. God has sent you out into great waters to ply your trade. He's given you, he's giving you, he has given you what you need to succeed in life, to succeed in the kingdom of God. All right? You got it? 
Now, every vessel that is out there on the sea or on the lakes or in the rivers needs an anchor. It needs an anchor and to anchor itself to something to keep it from uh, going adrift. The other night we saw a movie, my wife and I saw a movie. We always never can agree on, well, we always agree on a movie, but it's never the ones I want. (laughs) Anyway, we saw this movie called uh, uh, Ticket to Paradise. This, This couple's daughter graduates law school. She takes a month off before her big job, goes to Bali. Anybody see that movie? Okay, spoiler alert. Anyway, uh, they do not, she goes and she meets this seaweed farmer. Now, that was new to me. I never considered seaweed farming, but I really liked the idea. Anyway, um, she falls in love, they fall in love in Bali, and she's going to marry this guy. Well, her parents have had a bad experience in their marriage and they don't want their daughter to have one and they're doing everything they can to hinder this but at one point in time in the in the in the movie they go off in this fella's boat and they tie up and they go up to watch the sunset a beautiful spot to watch the sunset the the new son-in-law to be takes the in-laws up there and is there there he looks down and he says, is that my boat? And it's drifting away. And he says to the father-in-law-to-be, he says, didn't, didn't you tie the boat up? He said, well, yeah. What'd you tie it to? Well, a log. Sure enough, the log's floating along with the boat. Now, the point of this is, when you are anchored, you need to be anchored into something that will not move. I read a number of years ago a book called Adrift about a fella had a small sailboat, a sloop, and uh, I think it was his first or second night out. I can't remember. It was a long time ago. Something hit this, his craft and sunk it, and he had just enough time to get out and get his inflatable raft inflated and get in it, and he spent 76 days adrift on the ocean before being discovered. And it goes through his whole survival thing. Many Christians live their lives that way. Christians. I'm not saying unbelievers. I'm saying Christians. They're not certain on what they believe. They're not anchored to some of the things that, that are, are important aspects of God's plan and word that keeps them from going adrift. Now, another thing about an anchor is the anchor line, um, Jeff can tell us about this, but an anchor line has to have enough slack in it to handle the tides. Because if the tide rises... And the, and the anchor pulls free, your boat will go adrift. If the tide rises 
and the anchor is secure and you don't have the slack, it'll pull your boat under. So either way, you, you've got to understand you've got to be anchored and you've got to have enough slack in the rope to handle the tides. And I believe that's Holy Spirit in your life. You need the Holy Spirit's grace working in your life to handle the tides that come your way. I'm going to name a few things that Christians have anchored themselves to. I've been at this for a few years, and I've heard a lot of things. In the name of Christianity, good, good Christian folks. You know, when we say, um, Sid there's a good Christian, we mean, you know, he's a, he's a good guy, and he's a Christian. But good Christian folks... And yet, they're anchored to things I don't think they're even aware of that can set themselves adrift and away from the secure harbor. As we were reading through Psalm 107 there, it says it goes all the way down. They hit terrible seas. They reeled and staggered like drunkards and were at their wit's end. Lord, help, they cried in trouble. And he saved them from their distress. He calmed the storm to a whisper and stilled the waves. What a blessing was that stillness as he brought them safely into harbor. Now, to me in this picture, the harbor is the church. So good people in the church, Christian folk in the church, yet can anchor, you can anchor yourself to the wrong things. And I'm going to name a few of those. You ready? Yeah. Unforgiveness. Oh, man. You don't even realize it. I've heard a good Christian person one time tell me, I can hang on to a grudge forever. Oh, God. There's no slack in that anchor line. That will either pull out and you'll go adrift or it'll sink you. Unforgiveness, grudges, hypocrisy. You know, the church doesn't have a, have a, a corner on the market when it comes to hypocrisy. It's everywhere. But it shouldn't be in the church. We should be genuine. Uh, and the way to get rid of hypocrisy is to love the Lord with all your heart and to love your neighbor as yourself. Um, you can anchor yourself to money or wealth. Bible talks about that. It says some trust in chariots, some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. I'll anchor myself not in the trusting of my where I'm at today, because it can be fleeting. Bible's pretty clear about your riches can be fleeting. You can have them one day and not the next. We can have feels. Uh, we can have a sense of security one day yeah. and it be taken from us in an instant, in an earthquake, in a, you know, any number of calamities, right. that sense of security can be taken. So we need to trust in the name of our God. Uh, your religious icons, 
I don't know how many times I've been on the airplane and you see somebody and it starts to bump and they clutch their cross that they're wearing, you know? And that, that, that cross isn't going to save you, you know? It's an icon. Now, careful. I, I want to be careful. I don't want to offend those that love wearing crosses. I, I think they're great. I really do. We've done so much with crosses over the years. You know, at Easter, we make chocolate crosses. They kind of melt. Shouldn't wear them. Um, but religious icons are not a thing to be anchored into. Your pet doctrine, your pet belief, don't anchor into that. They're good things to have, but it's not what's going to secure you in times of trouble. Um, false teachings. People in the church can hold on to weird false teachings. I've got a couple I like. I would never pin my salvation or anybody else's salvation on that teaching. I think it's a good teaching. I like it. I think I have some foundation to it. But, you know, when it boils down to it, God may say, no, that wasn't what I was looking for. Fear. Now, these two that I'm going to mention next, I think, are the, the easiest to be caught into that set more people adrift or sink them than anything else. Gossip and criticism, having a critical spirit, a judgmental spirit. God has not set you up to be his Olympic judges to sit there and, you know, our worship team's playing and, and we hold up the, the card, 6.5. You know, uh, you know, Matt's T-shirt was a little bit wrinkled today, 6.5. The worship, they didn't, they didn't synchronize their, their dive so well. Uh, the pastor, he didn't land the message very well today. You know, God did not set you up as a judge with a card to sit there and hold it up that they get a 5.0 or a 7 or a 10. In fact, we should give everybody, because we're called to bless and not to curse and not to judge, we should give everybody a 10 all the time. Because as you judge, so shall it be, you'll receive judgment, right? So picture this. Beings, we're using our imagination today and picturing things. You're sitting there and you're, you fall into criticism and judgmental. And you're like, yeah, Lonnie just wasn't on it today so much as I thought she should be. I'm going to give her a 6.5. All the angels in heaven standing before God go, look at you and go, 4.0. Zero. <laughs> Zero. <laughs> Disqualified. Criticism... It's so easy, so easy to just come in and just take the slack out of your line that anchors you and just tighten that down to the point where you can so easily be set adrift from your family, from your church, from your friends. 
and not even realize it, think you're doing a great job. Well, I love the, I love the Lord, but, you know, so-and-so, such-and-such, they don't love the Lord like I do. They don't serve the Lord like I do. They don't worship like I do. If you do that, you're in trouble. You're not going to be able to withstand the tides. So, uh, what can you anchor to that's sure? Now, I forgot one little ditty I'm going to throw in for those of you who could not really imagine yourself as a boat. So this is for anybody that's a Beatles fan. If you can't imagine yourself as a boat, picture yourself on a boat on the river with tangerine trees and marmalade skies. If you get it, you get it. I'm going to pull out a Greek word today of something you can anchor to. The Greek word is kerygma. Do we have that up there? Kerygma. It's the apostolic proclamation of salvation through Jesus Christ. Amen. The kerygma, when it says apostolic there, it means what the apostles first preached. What their message that they carried to the world first was, was a proclamation. So kerygma is a proc- just means proclamation of your belief. Well, what do we believe? If you had 10 minutes with somebody that did not have salvation, an understanding of God, um, no Christian background, and you want to, to and, and they had the question, well, tell me about God. So you had 10 minutes with them. What would you tell them um, about your church? And it's got pretty good worship. Usually, sometimes we reach almost a nine, nine and a half. Our church is a little better than the church across the street. Or you should come to our church because our church has got the handle on the truth a little bit more so than somebody else. You know, people ask all the time, what kind of church are you? And, you know, that's a hard one to answer. You go like, well, we're evangelical. Okay, well, what kind of evangelical are you? You Baptist? Southern Baptist? Lutheran? Eastern Lutheran? Northern Lutheran? Are you? What are you? Well, are you Pentecostal? Well, you know, that's got its own, whatever that pulls up into a person's mind. Are you Pentecostal? And you go, yeah, yeah, I believe in the Holy Spirit and the gifts. Well, you don't know what their imagination... They're picturing you dancing around with, with snakes. So I don't like to tell people I'm Pentecostal. I don't like to tell them I'm evangelical. I could say we're all Catholic. Now, wait a minute. True Catholic, the word means universal. We're all one church. Now, what they've done to it... So I don't say I'm that. I don't say I'm... Uh, non-denominational. 
Oh, well, what does that mean? Well, that means we're just change. We're, we're, not, we're not actually a, a dollar, a five, a 20, a Benjamin, whatever. No, no denomination. We're non-denominational. We're Baptocostal. We're basically Baptists that believe in the Holy Spirit. We're, you know, so all these things, we're charismatic. I remember at a time, well, we're charismatic. We believe in the worship, open worship of God and celebrating and, and uh, some excitement. But then the charismatic church took on some elements that you were like, yeah, I don't really want to be anchored to that. You know, it's some crazy stuff. So what do I say? Well, I've come up with a new word. It's not new. It's new to me. I'm charismatic. Charisma means I'm a proclaimer of these three things. Three things. You got them? And these are the things that I could explain to anybody in 10 minutes of what real faith is about. The incarnation of Jesus Christ. God made flesh. The resurrection from the dead. You see, you tell somebody, well, Jesus died for you. Before I received Jesus Christ, people would tell me that all the time. My wife and I were out witnessing one time on the streets, and we came across a, a Japanese businessman. He did not understand English, and uh, we didn't understand Japanese outside of, uh, you know, Sohayogamas, Wakanimashita. Where can a guy get a hot dog? Um, I do know how to say hot dog in Japanese. Hotodogo. Anyway, uh, so we're witnessing to him, and, and we're telling him Jesus died for him. Jesus died for you. And this guy looks at us, and he goes, finally, it sunk in. He goes, ah, Jesus, die on cross? We're like, yeah. He goes, Buddha, die in bed. So, and he walked off. <laughs> But you tell somebody Jesus died for them, a man that lived over 2,000 years ago, and it doesn't always resonate. Like, well, okay, so I, I'm happy that he died for me. But the fact is that this Jesus was God incarnate. He was God who emptied himself of being God, took upon the form of a, of a servant, of a person, of a man in the form of Jesus, and it's God made flesh. The incarnation, Jesus Christ. And then he rose from the dead. He not only died, but he rose from the dead. Because everybody wants to know what happens when you die. Even the most hardened person, right. deep down inside, wonders what happens when I die. We can come up with all kinds of ideas. Oh, well, we're just nothing. You know, this is it. It ends here. Or, you know, we come back as a bug. I don't know if you didn't do too good. So incarnation, resurrection, and then discipleship. Those are three things that I believe we as Christians 
really need to anchor ourselves to. And discipleship means a wholehearted follower of Jesus Christ and his teachings. In Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10. I'm not getting it on the back screen. I'll have to look it up here. Oh, good. If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God. And it is by openly declaring, proclaiming, kerygma, proclaiming your faith that you are saved. Believe in your heart, confess with your mouth, and then act upon it, discipleship. In John chapter 1, verse 12, it says, But to all who believed in him and accepted him, he gave the right to become the children of God. And in John, I want to look at John 1, 17. For, by the law, for the law was given through Moses, but God's unfailing love and faithfulness came through Jesus Christ. Now, both were, are important. The law is to expose your sin for what it is. Jesus Christ is the grace that shows you there's a way out of that sin through his grace, love, and forgiveness. In John 11, 25 and 26, Jesus said to the woman, he said, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. So these things, I believe, are the three things that we can... um, anchor to, and proclaim. You know, that Jesus is God come to earth, made flesh to live among us without sin, die on the cross, and be raised again. And now we can follow his teachings and become his disciples. So as I proclaim, we're going to exercise ourselves a little bit here. Everybody ready? Now you can repeat after me. What do I believe? I believe that Jesus came to earth as a man, but was without sin. I believe that he died and rose again. And I believe that I'm one of his children. And I'll follow him. So a lot of times when people ask you, well, what are you, a Christian? What kind of Christian? You know, what church? 
you know, it's best to stay away from all the minutia and just say, I'm a follower of Jesus. I'm a charismatic. Let them go home and search that one. I love that. I love that new word, charismatic. Let's all say it, charismatic. Now, believe in your heart, confess with your mouth. Proverbs 18.21 tells us this, death and life are in the power of the tongue. So if we have the power of death and life in our tongue, think about, let's go back a little ways to what we're anchoring ourselves in. If you fall into a spirit of criticism, the power of your tongue is sinking your ship or setting you adrift, and you may not even know it. How many people have found themselves uh, adrift and just distant from, oh, I feel so far from God. You know, I just, I just feel like I'm just God so far away. Well, perhaps you've given yourself to a spirit of criticism, a spirit of judgmentalism. And you think that because, because you're doing that, you think God's doing that to you. God's not fully happy with you. He's judging you because of what you're doing and you find yourself distant from God. But here's how God works. It says that Jesus Christ is seated at the right hand of the throne of God, ever making intercession on your behalf. In other words, when God looks at you, he sees you through that intercession that Jesus is setting out there and he sees you as his son and his daughter, his child. He loves you. And if you goof up too much, he loves you enough to discipline you. But he never counts you as unworthy of his love. He never sets you aside and say, you know, you're in time out with me. No, with God, you're always in time in. He draws you closer. He draws you in. He wants you near him. He wants to be uh, changing you into his image, into his likeness. And you can't get changed like that by being set aside and cast out and put away from him. He operates differently than we do. He thinks differently. His thoughts are high above our thoughts. His ways are far above our ways. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. What we say with our mouths has great power to affect our love, our lives. So we're going to put this into practice. How many were excited about the snow this morning? The the icy roads. A few of you uh, dinghies. The rest of us see ourselves more on a, you know, a crystal sea of of 90-degree weather, 85 out on the ocean. Um, But we can get caught in the trap of like, oh, man, it's another snowy day. It's another miserable day. It's another this kind of day. It's another that kind. No, start out easy. This is the day that God has made. 
I will rejoice and be glad in it. Now you're setting the course for your life. It says, also it goes on to say, as far as not only is uh, our words uh, bring about life and death, it also says we will eat the fruit of what we're saying later on. If you like to eat good, fresh fruit, speak good, fresh words. If you like rotten, moldy mangoes, go ahead and have at the those kind of confessions. I've been married going on 50 years. I'm going to make a confession. Not every day has been wonderful. Now, Nancy thinks it has. Because she sees things through the eyes of the Spirit differently than me. I can have a tendency to kind of get bogged down and go... I don't want to fix the fan in the bathroom. Could you quit bringing it up? Well, I can't quit bringing it up. It's not working. Whatever it might be. Maybe you got teenagers. Teenagers can be a trial. But change your confession. Change your confession. Change your criticisms. Change your judgments. Quit judging according to the flesh. And start judging according to the spirit. We are spiritual beings. But our souls so want to have control. Our souls so much want to say, you know, I don't feel good today. So therefore, I'm going to take it out on everybody out there on the road. There's a saying, if you run into one idiot on the road, maybe there's an idiot out there. If you run into two idiots on the road, there might be two. If you run into three idiots on the road that day, you're the idiot. In the book of Acts, or believe, confess, and act, to act is uh, Matthew 28, 19, and 20. Go into all the world. Preach the gospel. Proclaim. Kerygma. Proclaim. 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 Proclaim that our God is a good God. God has me in mind. He has you in mind today. He's got blessing for you today. He'll bless your comings and your goings. He'll bless you in your labors. He will bless you in all that you do. Make that your confession. Make that your confession. Not like, oh, man, a miserable day. It's really easy to fall into. I do it all the time. All the time. Walking my dog. Miserable dog. Stupid dog. How come we always get the neurotic dog? I just told my wife that the other day. We always get the neurotic golden retriever. No, all golden retrievers are neurotic. He's a good dog. But I allow my disposition to be affected because of the words I speak. 
Now, other times can be just as miserable out there weather-wise. I'm walking the dog. But my mind and my heart is on the things of God. And I'm like, man, what a glorious day. This is so wonderful. I got a couple minutes left. I'm going to tell you a story. I remember years ago, man, I got a hold of this principle. And I'm like, this is a glorious day. This is the day the Lord hath made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Man, God, you've saved me. You've delivered me. Things are going great in my life. Uh, and I'm headed to Palmer. And I'm... Uh, delivering some bakery goods. We had a little bakery called Bread of Life Bakery, and we got these things. We would deliver uh, at the restaurants and at the grocery store. And I'll never forget, I pull up in Palmer. It's, a, it's really a blustery, rainy, windy day. Palmer. And uh, I didn't even notice. I get out, I'm getting, waiting for the store to open up, and there's three or four or five people gathered there. And I go... Man, what a great day, huh? Beautiful day, isn't it? Everybody kind of looks like... Guy just sailed in on a dinghy. Um, Looks at me and says, and this one lady goes, yes, except, and she looks right at me, she says, except for these curse, 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 blankety-blank demons keep leeching onto my neck. And I go... Uh, okay. And then she looks at me and she says, you know about demons, don't you? And I'm a pretty young believer, you know. Demons still spook me. You know, I'm still like, I think I heard a demon. But the Spirit of God was with me, and I said, I do know about demons, and I know that in the name of Jesus, I have authority over them. And it was just like this, this, this whirlwind of like, you ever see a little uh, dust whirlwind, and it's got the dirt and a few pieces of trash float. It was just like that, but I was standing in just this peace. I was just in this peace, and I said, I know that uh, in the name of Jesus, I have authority over demons. And fortunately, the store opened right then. A little cafe, actually. And we all went in, and we chatted a little bit further. And she just starts quoting Bible verses. And I looked at her, and I said, um, did you go to Bible school? Or, Oh, no, no. Uh, I went to vacation Bible school when I was a little girl, but... No, I don't read the Bible. And then, boom, she just changed and be able to quote Scripture. Right. And she, then she says, these demons just keep leeching onto my neck, but I know that they're not real. Uh, how'd she put that? Something, because, oh, they keep uh, um, impersonating uh, my mother-in-law. mother-in-laws keep that in mind uh but she's dead so i know it's not real and i went whoa you know this is beyond me at this point so what i said was 
I didn't have the proclamation of kerygma in my life working very well yet. I couldn't just lay it out like, hey, God can set you free right now. He is, uh, Jesus is God in the flesh, and he died and rose again, and you can be set free from all things. I didn't have that down. But what I did have down was, yeah, I'd like to invite you to our Bible study. It wasn't bad. She ended up coming. She ended up getting delivered, getting saved, uh, set free. And uh, so uh, that's just a story I thought I'd throw in and take up a few minutes. Um, I'm trying to think how it fits in, but I think it fits into proclamation. Proclaim your faith. Don't proclaim lesser things. Don't proclaim gossip. Don't proclaim criticisms. Don't proclaim your religious ideas. You know, somebody dying in desperate need doesn't want to hear how we do our tithing or how we conduct our service or, well, our church is only 90 minutes. You'll like it. They're dying. They don't want to know that. They want to know what you believe, what has secured and anchored your life. Because they're looking at your life and they're saying, you have anchored yourself, what is it? Well, here's what it is. I believe that Jesus is God in the flesh. He came to earth. He lived as a man, spotless of sin. He died on the cross for me, but he rose again from the dead that I might have and you might have eternal life. And because of that, I follow him. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. Please make sure to subscribe to our podcast. If you'd like more information about our church, please visit our website, whitefieldsalaska.com. Thanks again for listening, and may God bless you today.